Everybody say, there is a war. Say, there is a war. Now let me help you. I am not one of these preachers or Christians, and it's difficult for me to be around them when I am around them, that sees a devil behind every bush. Because I know Satan's under my feet, and he's supposed to be under everybody's feet. And I know where the second Adam, Jesus, came, he defeated Satan on the cross and in hell and in the grave. And now Satan is no longer the God of this world, the Bible says. He was before second Adam, Jesus, came. But he is an evil, demonic, fallen, not fallen angel, angel kicked out of heaven. I talked about that last time I preached a couple weeks ago. But what I want you to realize is, guys, Satan is under our feet. He doesn't have authority, but he is real. He is alive. He is here on this earth. And so is his little demonic angels that were kicked out of heaven. I talked to you about that a couple of weeks ago in Revelation 12, how both he and his angels, which is a third, <clears throat> were kicked out forcibly by Michael. Michael, the archangel, kicked him out. And he hit, Jesus said, I saw him hit the earth, this lightning. It's a lightning boat or whatever in Luke, I think it is, gospel. Now, so uh, please, I will talk a lot about spiritual warfare and your enemy, but please, just don't be one of those people that sees a devil behind every bush. Come on, you're just immature. Matter of fact, if you see a devil everywhere, that's, that's borderline worship. If you talk more about the devil and you see more demons than you talk about Jesus, you worship in the wrong one. You say, well, why would he even have to talk about that, Gertrude? Pastor a day or two, you'll know why. I deal with that stuff. And, and it's silliness and it's immaturity. So I'm just going to put that up front. But the devil is alive. The devil is real. And he's out to destroy you. Amen. John 10 gives us his mission statement. John 10, 10. Jesus said, here's his mission statement. Satan has come but to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. So if anything's dying, being stolen, or destroyed, who is it? The devil. Jesus said, I have come to do what? Give life and life more abundantly. So he came to bring blessings. So Devil bad, God good. Is that, is that good enough for everybody? That's your preacher's doctrine. If anybody, well, what's he believe about demons? Devil bad, God good. So there you go. So the first thing I want you to understand is you are engaged in spiritual warfare. Because when Satan was kicked out of heaven, the Bible talks about it in Revelation 12, talks about it in Isaiah, talks about it in Luke and so on. When he was kicked out of heaven, the Bible says he's coming with vengeance. He's on the earth with vengeance. And he wants to destroy anything that loves God. He wants to destroy God's creation. And therefore, he deceived Adam in the garden and Eve, and, and they gave their authority. He couldn't take their authority, but they gave their authority. Second Adam came and defeated. So we see that there is a battle. So we're going to be battling him until the you know, second coming of Christ, or until actually we ascend, right? Till we're resurrected. So here's what I want you to realize. Whenever you're in a battle, whenever you're in a fight, God has anointed you to triumph in every area of your life. And when you're in a battle and a fight, how many of you know you can't win a fight if you're not fighting anyone? So instead of looking at, oh Lord, the devil's picking on me again, look at it like this. It's an opportunity for a victory. It's an opportunity for a win. Because if you don't have one fight, Paul says you're fighting as one that beateth the air. You're shadow boxing. You're not fighting anyone or anything. You know, when I was growing up and I was the smallest guy in my class, so I was about a freshman. Then I shot up and I didn't have, my dad died when I was three months old. My brothers were all graduated. 
everybody's gone. It's just me. So, you know, I had to be like that little chihuahua that was acting like a big old German shepherd. I had, if somebody pushed me, I hit them three times and then they might beat the, you know, what out of me, but they didn't bother me no more. You know why? And then I learned how to do it to them. But here's the bottom line. If you're facing a bully and you can be the littlest wimp in the world, but he knows you're going to get his shirt dirty and make him sweat a little bit, he's not going to pick on you very often. But you can be the biggest, toughest guy, best-looking guy around. And if he can get in your head and pick on you and take your influence and take your character, he's going to wear you out every day, probably three times on Sunday. That's the way the devil works. And what you need to understand is you got to stand up and you got to fight. Say, I'm a fighter. Say, I'm a fighter. Man, I'm a fighter. You know what? Stuff like this just fires me. This air conditioning thing, man, I'm going to preach on the devil for two or three weeks. I'm going to beat his brains out. That's the way I deal with it. If he tax my body, I'll just get people's blind eyes open and their ears healed. That, yes. you got to be a fighter. Yes. Lay around, moan and groan about, oh, Lord, devil's picking on me. Jesus. It's probably in your mind. He's got bigger fish to fry. He's already got you. Amen. Hallelujah. So we see in the Word, Pauline Epistles tell us in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, says, Now thanks be to God who always, everybody say always, leads us in triumph in Christ. Christos, anointed one. Creo, the anointed one. That He always leads us in triumph, in Christ, and through us, everybody says through me, through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Why is knowledge important? Well, it's scriptural. Bible says what in John 4? Know the truth and the truth will. So if you want to bring freedom to the captives, you've got to share the knowledge and the truth. But you got to share revelation knowledge. Because here's the thing. Knowledge without revelation is just information. But knowledge that is revelation has action to it. It's just like faith without works is not faith. Because faith without works is dead. And works without faith is dead. It takes the two together to make the one. So we got to realize that we're in a fight. So the fact that God causes us to triumph means that we got something to triumph over. The fact that He's already called us the winner and held our hands up, it means somebody's out to tussle with you. Somebody's out to battle you. He's, the devil's out to battle your business. The devil's out to battle your finances. The devil's out to battle and destroy your family. The devil's out to destroy, you know, your reputation. The devil's out to destroy your heritage. He's out to destroy the kingdom of God. But we already know the end of the book says he lost. Amen. So, whenever we realize He's out to do that to us, triumph only comes after a period of some hard fighting. You know, you didn't triumph just because you blew or pushed or did something and won, right? No, it's when you sweaty, down, beating, rain, slinging, slatting, snotting and all that, and you get through, whoo, and you can look really rough. You can look like you lost a fight but won the fight, but you don't care, right? Because you triumph. Amen. I mean, did Rocky care he was all messed up? No, he held his hands up, right? You might look like Rocky, but the bottom line is you triumph. Listen, the, the greater the battle, the greater your triumph. The greater the attack, the greater the opportunity. 
See, if you look at I failed, I failed, well then you'll be a failure. But if you say I can't fail, you'll triumph. Well, preacher, that's just nonsense. How can I not? Well, you're the one that makes the rules up on what failing is. One person can say, my goal is to win a, 20, a marathon, what, 26-mile race, right? Another person can say, my goal is to finish the marathon. If they finish it, did they fail? Those say, my goal is to start the marathon and at least get going for a while. If they didn't win it, did they fail? See, you got to realize you're the one that sets the rules. Actually, it was set through your childhood and religion and everything else. But you're the one that sets the rules on what failure is. So I just changed the rules. So I can't ever fail again, Miss Gwen. You know, you gotta, you gotta rig the game. God set you in authority. Rig, well, how can you not fail? Here's what I No matter what I deal with, I can never fail if I give 100% effort or I learn something. So it wasn't a failure, it's an opportunity. If Christians would learn, every time you fight the devil, it's an opportunity. And he can't kill you unless you let him kill you. But every time you fight the devil, it's an opportunity. But you would just change that one meeting in your, your vernacular, in your whatever, your personal thesaurus or whatever it is, dictionary. It changed your life. But see, the devil gets us beating ourselves up so much, he don't even have to give us any attention. We do a great job punishing ourselves. We're not worthy. I sinned three and a half weeks ago at nine in the morning, and oh Lord, I don't know if I'll go to heaven. Come on, grow up. Repent. Ask for forgiveness, and you shall be forgiven. He said, knock, and he'll open. Ask, and you'll receive. Hallelujah. Say, preacher, you just seem tough the last few weeks. Now I see why. I was listening to my podcast last week. I was like, ooh, man, I sounded mean. And I love those people so much. I'm not trying to be mean. But you know what? When my boys are getting ready for a big challenge, I'm not saying, okay, honey, we can see how it works out. I'm like, get your shoulders back. Get your, you ready for this? Did you prepare for that? We'll talk after it's over. Go do what you got to do. Sit there and go, oh, my baby's going to, setting them up for defeat. And I won't judge them. I'll love them whether they win or lose or whatever. As long as they don't quit. Now, they quit, they answer to daddy. They don't go to mama's room. They go, they go, they meet daddy. And no quitters in a Dalton's house. But she won't put up with that either. She, that's one good thing. We, we in agreement on that. We got the same room. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, we do study in two different places. I got my office. You got yours. So. I kind of thought that after I said it, but I was going to ignore it and think maybe they'd just. We got living proof. We got the same room. We got two boys, right? So anyway, just saying. Gertrude, he said daddy in church. Well, there might be a recording of what you said on the way to church in your car, but I'm just saying. Somebody said, ow, ooh, ah. Now I got to repent all over, preacher. I was feeling good. You had my faith up there. All right, I'll try to bring it back in. Forgive me, Lord. So we see that whenever you're in a fight, guess what? Paul's called it wrestling, when you're wrestling with the devil. You ever see wrestlers in high school and out of high school, man, their ears are like thin up here. I mean, they're all messed up, sticking up. Why? Because they're constantly, their head's in action, being wrestled around, rubbed, whatever they do. 
And you'll find wrestlers are the strongest athletes in a school, usually the strongest people in the school, pound for pound, because they have to be, even stronger than football players, because their every ounce has to be muscle according to their weight and so on. So you can never measure someone by their appearance, because they might just whoop your butt. Amen. And even though the devil might think he's got something over you, if you will tap into your identity, to your spiritual DNA, he doesn't have a chance against you. So triumph comes after a period of hard fighting. Great victory comes after a great battle, a great fight. Whether it's a career, business, relationship, finances, whatever. And so what I want you to realize is the devil is out to get the church. It's his bride. It's Jesus' bride. So you know he hates you already. So you just ignoring him isn't going to do anything but get your brains beat out more. I've never seen the word. Don't say the word. Don't say the word devil. What are you afraid of? Greater is he. That's why I said ten times a service. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. I have the authority to give a command Epo, declaration, prophetic. I can speak and he must go. But it's all according to what you believe. So if you want to ignore him, he's going to wear you out. You try to ignore a bully and he starts on you, it's going to get ugly because he's not going to stop. He found an easy one. So the devil, his desire is to destroy anything God created. His desire is to keep the body of Christ on defense all the time. And he's constantly bringing situations and circumstances up in churches, in our families, in our lives to bring confusion and distraction and discouragement. Because here's the key, and you've heard me say this over the years. Here's the three D's that get you out of God's will. Distraction, discouragement, and departing. First thing the enemy will do is get you distracted then you'll get discouraged because you'll isolate yourself and then you'll depart the faith. That which is precious to you when it becomes ordinary, be careful because you will soon replace it with something or someone else. Think about that. That's what happens with us. We soon replace it with something or someone else. Think of the precious things you've had in your life and somewhere along the way, they, you just, how did that end? That was awesome. I don't know. You got distracted, Right? So that's what his goal is. He wants to cause contention. Now, one scripture, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, I'm not sure, one of them, but Prophet Trout quotes it a lot too. God, a lot of times, right in the middle of your strife, because when there's strife in the church, it shows who the strong ones are and the weak ones are. Oh, I got to say this. You can forgive your preacher later. It just hit me. I wasn't even thinking about it. Steph went, uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. And I'm not. You know, there'll be somebody offended. They'll see it on Facebook. But forgive me. You're already offended with me. Just forgive me. So, whenever... Oh, well, it must be God. I forgot what I was going to say. Dagone it! Let me get over here and see if I can remember it. You must have prayed, girl. That was, a, whew, that was a good one. Praise God. Shoot! Dagone it. Okay. It might come later. God might grace me. That's hilarious. I guess it wasn't God's will. Yeah, I say. Come on, lighten up, people. You too, you gotta get all tense. You come here, uh, you don't act like this through the week at your barbecue. You know, this is a... So, so when you're wrestling, there's contact, there's physical work, there's sweat. Ephesians 6 tells us the kind of fight we're in, verses 12 and 13. So we wrestle not, not against what? Flesh and blood, 
but principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. They don't have a position there, but they can go in and out of there. Therefore, take up the W-H-O-L-E, whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, there's a whole armor. It's referring to what the Romans, Paul referred to what the Romans used with the shield of faith and, you know, the breastplate of righteousness and so on and the helmet of salvation and the, the things over your feet shod with the gospel. So, you don't just get it with just saying, I'm just going to use faith. You gotta, you're not really going to walk in true faith if you're not walking and using the whole armor. But what I want you to realize is, why would you need an armor? Why would God give you an armor if you didn't have a fight, an enemy? Why would He make a way for you to protect yourself but to advance? Soldiers didn't have the armor sitting and waiting for a fight. They were going to a fight. And if you're constantly taking it to the enemy, he's not going to be messing with you. He might be messing with people around you, and then you start jumping in those fights. Amen. Spiritually, not physically. Amen. So anyway, so it would borderline insanity if we walked around in our armor all the time avoiding a fight. Right? You got, you got an armor because, God, it's prophetic. You are going to be in a fight. You're going to fight the devil. But see, I, I say this, and I don't want you going around, oh, Lord. Why is he always picking on me? Stand up. Take a swing at him. You might be amazed. It's not your power anyway. It's God's power. Amen. Um, now, it's important you know who the enemy is. So let's talk about identifying your enemy just for a minute here. Then we're going to do something. See, most people in the world today, even a lot of Christians think about when they're being troubled and problems are happening it's got to be, you know, something to do with my family heritage. You know, it's some curse. And there can be curses and stuff like that and break those. But it's usually, you know, a human being's problem. Some person caused me a problem. Some person lied. Some person stole, done something. They did this. They cheated me. They whatever. And I'm not saying they didn't. But what you got to realize, you're not in a battle with flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, 12 says, and 13 says, you're in battle with principality powers and wickedness and rulers in high places. So why don't you realize you're not in battle with people, you're in battle with the Spirit controlling people. Now, there's people and good Christians that are in battles all the time. They stay in strife. Because the Bible says when there's strife and contention, it shows who's the strong and mature are and who the weak are. But, but there is strife and contention, and the reason there's strife and contention is because they think they're fighting the wrong enemy. If you don't get anything else, get this. Well, did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they looked at me funny? Why well, they took my seat. Well, I mean, how did they brag on them? I really know them. If pastor knew them, he wouldn't put them up there testifying, praise God. And then get mad, quit, and take their toys and go home somewhere else and get mad there and do the same thing and do the same thing. Didn't you hate that? We were poor, man, when I was growing up. Lived in a trailer court for about five years. And we had to make sure the kids that had means always got picked on the basketball team because we wouldn't have a basketball. It always make you mad when you'd beat a team and one that owned the basketball. So I'm going home. We're going home. It's summer, man. We got four more. I'm going home. My mommy wants me. I'm sure she does. Go home. And you don't have a basketball. You know, and that's the way Christians are. I'll just take my gifts and talents and go home. And I'm sure God said, I didn't want you on the court anyway. 
You just taking up space. I want to, I want a player on here. I want somebody who wants to do something. I can coach. God wants to coach you up. He wants to use you. Well, he'll use me if I don't have any problems or trials. I, I'll know I'm ready. That'll be when you've been resurrected. You're going to fight until you die. I don't know who lied to you, but God bless you, honey. That's like telling your child, you'll never have a bill you can't pay. You'll never have a person lie on you or hurt you. You graduate high school. Everything's going to just turn up roses. And that's the way most Christians try to live their life. They don't know who they're fighting. How could you fight if you don't know who your enemy is? Well, it's the preacher, it's the church, it's the boss, it's the employees, it's the company, it's the state, it's the government. It's And all answers are wrong. It's not human beings. It's not flesh and blood. It's the spirit behind it. And you don't come against the person. You come against the spirit behind them. So the devil does not want you to identify he is your enemy. That's the biggest lie he does all the time. He wants you to blame it on yourself. You probably blame it on yourself more than you do other people. Blame it on other people. Yeah, we take responsibility for our mistakes and sins. But if you keep don't repent and keep doing that, before you'll be doing so many more, you'll be just low and low living and all that. But if you'll take responsibility, repent, so on, you can get out of that rut. Amen? And, and here's the key, guys. He has been lying ever since he's been on this earth about who he is. Adam and Eve, if they knew who he was, they would have never listened to him. But he deceived them. His number one power is deception. So if something you loved and value is so amazing and all of a sudden you're frustrated but you don't have the facts someone told you about it or you heard or maybe you misunderstood, you thought you understood, instead of going to asking and getting clarification, you just break a relationship off. Chalk it up for the devil. Just that person probably was in your life for something good and you're never going to get that resource because you just wrote them off. That job might have been the one you was going to get promoted and own the company, but you wrote it off because you got offended. That church, same thing, same thing, same thing. And so, so you, if you don't know who your enemy is, you're always fighting people and systems. I mean, you're out here protesting systems, wasting your time. You don't have control over no system anyway. It's what voting's for. Walk in a room... Flip your button, ballot, and get out. What are you protesting? You don't have any power. You got one vote. That's the power you have. So well, I can persuade people. Okay, good. Now, when you get to heaven, if you got more to join your political party than you want to the kingdom of God, I don't want to be standing close to you. I really don't. I'm just starting early. The election's coming. 18 months, 19 months. I'm coming. I'm starting now. Praise God. Just get on that devil and choke it right now. So when you get offended on Facebook or offend everybody you know, or at least half the people you know, because every time you do it, you offend half the people you know, just remember your pastor said you're fighting something that's not your enemy. That doesn't mean you don't believe strong, you don't support, you don't give money, and you don't go out and volunteer. You can go out and volunteer. But you know what I'm talking about. Don't mess with me. Come on. You big, big people, you know what it is. Amen. Miss Gwen just laughs at me. Oh, Lord. I don't know. I'm just in one of those. The last few weeks, I don't know. Just, I love you. I hope you know that. Uh, and then, here's what, he keeps blinding, Satan keeps blinding people to the fact of who we're fighting. Who we're fighting. 
1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Didn't say he is a roaring lion, right? He's like a roaring lion. He don't have teeth to destroy you, but he has deception. He can convince someone else to try to destroy you. So, so the key you got to learn is, guys, is who are you fighting? You're, you're, you're fighting spirits and principalities and power and wickedness in high places. That's what you're fighting. Who's your enemy? Your mother-in-law? Your father-in-law? No, the devil. The devil is the source of every fight you're in. If you're fighting over your money, you can make some stupid financial decisions. That's true. And, and the devil don't even have to mess with you. But if you're making sound financial decisions or you repented over the others and you started on the right track and it just keeps coming at you, coming at you, now, now that's another source. You've got to learn when it's you causing it or it's the devil. Listen, people don't have the power over you to do anything unless you allow them to. In other words, you know why I can never be offended? Here's why I can never be offended. I changed the rules. You know why I can never be offended? Because I can never be offended because I never give anyone the power to determine how I feel. Occasionally I do, and I pray about it, and I get over it, and slap myself a couple times, and I'm okay. You can't be offended. The Bible says be not easily offended, but after a while you should be mature enough not to be offended. But if your rules are, if they ever say that to me, if she ever looked at me that way, you're offended, you're offended, you're offended. Hmm. Now, anger I'm working on. <laughs> I have to admit, I, you know, the preacher just laid, I mean, come on. What preacher does this? Anger I'm working on. So I got a new rule for anger, Sean. You know what my new rule for anger is? My new rule for anger is this. I can never be angry at someone because when they do something stupid, no, I'm just saying, because I added that. No. Because when they do something that would attempt to anger me, I don't know the rules they have for doing what they did, and I don't have understanding of that, but I have the power to control me. So like somebody's zipping around you and cuts you off and they're weaving through traffic, you all mad? Could be your pastor just saying, no, no, you could be mad. Just saying if you were awake. You could be mad. All you 16-year-olds, that's a lie. That's not just kidding. You could be mad. Look, you could be mad, but they may be taking their wife to the emergency room. You don't know. So why don't you just grace them and choose not to just get more mad. By the time you get to work, you're really mad. You just get madder the longer you sit in that car till you get where you're going. Bless God. You came out singing psalms and praises and listening to Pastor Dalton on the podcast, get to work, and you thought you'd be fired up, but you got so mad somebody cut you off, you ready to fight the person, the first person you see. Shut up. Hello, shut up. What's wrong with you? None of your business. You wouldn't understand anyway. Now, I know that's not, Sean says, you get on my nerves. That's his favorite. Listen, listen, it's just the truth. Look your pastor, look your friend, say it next. It's just the truth. So yours may not be anger. I don't know what it is. 
But I know this, your battle is not flesh and blood. Your battle is spirit. That's what you're finding. Let me close here. So let's get this clear. No matter what battle you're fighting, God is not your enemy. A lot of people make God their enemy. You, you don't have enough nerve to confess it, but you feel it. It's in there. So somebody says, well, are you a title? Shut up! Do you believe in hell? Why? I don't see proof of it. It's not that you don't believe. You're not stupid. You know he heals. You see people he heals. But there's something inside you. Ugh. Something you didn't feel God came through for. Something that God didn't do for someone you know that you thought he should have done for them. Not understanding his goal is to give you life and life more abundantly. So if someone was stolen, killed, or robbed, still killed, destroyed, then that was of the devil. So that's who you should be mad at. Not God. But it's so easy to allow the enemy to convince us and to manipulate us in. You've heard my testimony. I don't have time to tell it, but eight, nine, ten years ago, whenever I was mad at God after my mom died and the economy crashed and we had all this big payment and pressure. And man, I was like, I felt like God betrayed me. I didn't have enough guts to confess it. So I got a loan. Pastor Steph and her divine wisdom said, you need to go to mom and them's farm. They're out of town. You need to get a loan. Whatever how long it takes, just get a loan. <laughs> And after a couple of days into that, God spoke to me. And then I spoke to God. And we had some words, but we got it worked out. Oh, by the way, he won. He always does. So I don't have time to tell you what happened. You might leave the church if I told you exactly what happened. So I'm not going to tell you. Amen. They're laughing because people did leave the church when I told them what happened. Just being truthful, right, Miss Quinn? Amen. We must not have been their first love. Praise God. Um. So Paul said you're going to wrestle. Let me wrap up. I'm in enough trouble. Let me finish up here. Oh, I wanted to hit Ezekiel 28. Ooh, man, can't do that. But I will hit James, and I'll close with that. James is a good book. So God is not out to hurt you, deceive you, or tempt you. James 1, 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So if you don't believe that, then you must not believe John 3.16. And if you don't believe John 3.16, you couldn't be a Christian. So I guess you'll take that just like you would John 3.16. Go on and put verse 14 up. I know it's not in my notes. Let's see where temptation comes from. Verse 14, can you all get that for me? I know you're probably just in the notes there. James 1.14. I threw a curveball. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Praise God. But each one is tempted when... He or she, right, is drawn away by their own desires and enticed. Woo! Well, where's temptation come? If God didn't tip me, I wouldn't do it. No, no, no. It comes from where? Here. See, that's why greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. You got the Holy Spirit in there. You got your spirit. But you got this other stuff. So if you can renew your mind to prove why God's good, acceptable, and perfect will and walk that then you'll tame that stuff over there. And then what's happening inside you is greater than what's happening around you. And you'll have authority to speak to the enemy. You don't even have to sweat. Amen. And then finally, we'll pray. James 1, 16 through 18. 
Well, well, you know, does God just, you know, God just put bad stuff on people to teach them a lesson? He don't have to. The devil puts all kinds of bad stuff on people. Now, he might allow you to go through some stuff or you might be going through some stuff because you haven't really brought it to him or dealing with you haven't done what he told you to do. But the bottom line is it can make you stronger and better when you come out the other side because the tougher the fight is, the greater the battle, the greater the victory. Amen. Well, let's see what, what God does. John 1, 16 through 18. Do not be deceived. Because isn't that the number one weapon the devil has? Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. He's talking to the church. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He changes not. The Bible says, uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says in Malachi 3, God says, I am God and I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed, right? So he changes not. Numbers, he says, I'm a God that cannot lie. So he is the father of lights with whom there is no variation, shadow, or turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of his creation. So any fight you're facing, health, family, finances, ministry, church, career, cat, dog, leper, I don't know, ostrich, whatever you're fighting, it's not coming from God. And it's not coming from flesh and blood. Now, you can go your whole life and fight people. Oh, there's a scripture, but you'd think it's vulgar, so I can't say it. But, you can fight people all you want and blame it on people. Blame it on God. But that's why Hosea 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Isn't it sad if your whole goal was to paint a 10-story, a thousand-story building your whole life and you had this supernatural ladder and you put your ladder up and you're painting your whole life. You get top, you're ready to go meet God and say, wow, this could be a joke. I never heard this before. I can make this a joke. Copyright this, somebody, for me. Amen. Now, just say. So, so you go, oh, you get all the way up to the top 80 years later. Ah, I'm ready to go. You're not going anywhere. Why? You didn't do my will. What do you mean I didn't do your will? You put your ladder on the wrong building. You painted the wrong building. I want to ask you is your ladder on the right building? Are you building the destiny God has for you? Are you building the life God has for you? Are you fighting the enemy that you know you're supposed to fight? If weapons are working against you, then it's not God. You need to decide, why is the weapons of Satan working against me? Because God already said, no weapon shall prosper against me. Then it's got to be on my end. And I need some knowledge. I need some understanding. And then I need to put action to it. And if I put the action to it, I'll get the results.